there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. The same page. We've been looking at the sermon series, The Fabric of Favor. And we have looked at a couple of things. We have discovered that favor is preferential treatment. It is having this irresistible charm. You know, people love you, people like you, and people uh, are willing to help you because of this invisible quality that God has placed in your life that makes them do so. And we realized also that favor manifests itself uh, in two ways. There's the vertical dimension of favor, which is favor with God. And then there is the horizontal dimension of favor, which is favor with man. And we discovered that uh, Jesus and Samuel uh, enjoyed these two dimensions of favor. Just kill the feedback a little bit. Uh, we also studied the life of uh, Joseph, and we discovered because of the favor of God upon his life, he, did, he, he was able to attract three uh, people. The first person was the promoter, and this is the person that lifts you from your misery. The second person is the provider, and this is a guy who lessens or alleviates your suffering. And the third one is the patron. This one sponsors your elevation. May God raise somebody to sponsor your dream. In Jesus' name. Can I hear louder amen in the house? I mean, when, when, when God brings this person, he brings somebody that, you know, is loaded with, with resources to ensure that your dream is taken care of. Amen. May God bring sponsors for our project. I say may God bring sponsors for our project. And some of them are seated here. Tell your neighbor you are a church sponsor. <laughs> what is <laughs> whatever it means? Ask your neighbor. Do you know what it means? That means you are a sponsor to ensure that the church fulfills its vision. Amen. And so today I want to, by the grace of God, I want us to look at the catalysts of favor. What are some of these things that activate favor? You know, in our lives. Yeah, kill the feedback a little bit. It's, 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 it's distracting me. What are some of the, these things that catalyze uh, favor in our lives? Now, when I think about a catalyst, I remember the days I was in school. And we could go to the lab, you know. And uh, we used to go to the lab for practicals. You know, mixing um, different... Um, Agents, you know, and we used to use uh, a catalyst sometimes to accelerate the reaction. And I don't know if you're like me, but some of us, we were very cheeky in the lab. Uh, we could go there to have extra experiments, you know, do things that were not in the syllabus, just to see what um, was going to happen. There are people here, we will not mention your names, but you almost burned the school down when you're in the lab because you mix things which were not supposed to be mixed. And so a catalyst uh, basically, you know, was used to hasten or to accelerate the reaction of two agents. And so when we, when we are talking about a catalyst of favor, we are looking at or we are going to look at some of these factors that accelerate the activation of favor upon our lives. 
Because I don't know if you're like me. I, I, I need favor like yesterday. I mean, I need favor to operate in my life like yesterday. Not tomorrow, not even to, today is too late. I, I, I want it to work in my life like yesterday. Maybe I'm the only one. I'll preach to myself. Huh? Do you really, really need favor in this house? Then why behaving as if you already have it? How many want favor to be activated in your life quickly? Yes, yes. So we are going to look at some of the factors that will be able to speed up, you know, the activation of favor upon our lives because we really need favor. I've realized, let me tell you, in this world that we are living in, especially in this part of the world, we need favor. You need favor because favor will give you undue advantage. Favor will move you higher quickly. Favor will open doors that cannot be opened by your skin color. Favor will open doors that cannot be opened by your purpose. You know, I want you to understand that this side of the world, we need favor. You know, yesterday I was somewhere and um, I, 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 I was in this shop and I, I, I was talking to the attendant there and I was asking the attendant, I mean, if, 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 if a dark-skinned person and a light-skinned person came to this shop looking for a job, who will you hire first? And she told me the light-skinned person. Then I realized we are in big trouble. Look at your neighbor and just say, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> So you can see that even your skin color is working against you, that you can be qualified and you go to a place to look for a job, you have the papers, but somebody else, who maybe who doesn't even have papers, but because they are light-skinned, are likely to get the job, and you don't. That's why we need favor. Because favor compensates for your complexion. <laughs> favor has a way, my goodness. Favor has a way of just giving you the undue advantage. May you receive the favor of God. May the favor of God cover you. May the favor of God cover your flaws in the name of Jesus. So what are these principles that activate or accelerate favor in our lives? Number one, it is prayer. Somebody say prayer. prayer. I can't hear you. Shout prayer. prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is simply communication with God. You speak to him and he speaks back to you. Prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. The more prayer is in place in your life, the more you position yourself for favor. I say, let me say that again. The more prayer is in your life, the more you position yourself for favor. Favor. Now, when you look at the life of Samuel, who the Bible says enjoyed favor with men and with God. We read that text. You know, this man uh, was conceived because of prayer. His conception was preceded by intense moments of prayer by his mother. You know, uh, Samuel's mother, or Hannah, was barren and she could not get children and she went into a place of prayer and she prayed intensely for God, you know, to open her womb so that she may conceive and give birth to children. 
And Samuel was the first child that came out of her womb. But before Samuel was conceived, you know, this lady had to pray. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10 to 15, that she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. I mean, her prayer was very, very passionate. Her prayer was from the deep recesses of her soul because she badly wanted a child. You see, if you're a woman here and you're married and the maternal instincts kick in and you can't get children, you become frustrated. She was very frustrated because her co-wife, Penina, was a factory of babies. And so she went to a place of prayer. She didn't look for another man. She didn't cheat on her husband. She went to a place of prayer and she started praying. She started seeking the face of God. I, I need to speak to someone here that frustration is not a ticket to compromise. Because sometimes when we wait upon the Lord and nothing happens, you know, we are tempted to compromise. I've been a pastor for a while and I've seen how people can be desperate, you know, how they can be desperate for a miracle and they decide not to wait upon God. They become impatient. And before you know it, they leave church, they leave God, they backslide, and they start doing very, very nasty things. I have seen it happen, you know, and I am praying that it will not happen to you. You see, when you read the story of Anna, you'll be so surprised that her barrenness was not caused by, you know, natural factors. It is God who had closed her womb. There are things we bind the devil, but he's not even responsible. It is God who is responsible. And sometimes he allows those things so that he can bring you to a place of prayer. Because God has no problem giving you blessings. But sometimes he's wondering, this blessing, will it take my child away from me? So let me deny my child some of these things that my child really wants so that my child can come to a place of prayer. And when I'm confident that my child is connected to me through prayer, I know that if I bless my child, the blessings will not take my child away from me. And so Hannah prayed. And if you're going through a hard time right now, there is barrenness in your life. You need to get to a place of prayer. You have to seek God. Don't backslide. Don't turn against God. Don't be angry with God. You know, don't, 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 don't bolt out of the church. You have to go to a place of prayer. Pray and seek the face of God. And I'm telling you, God is going to come through for you. Can I hear a better amen in this house? So tell your neighbor for me, it's time to pray. So this woman prayed, man. Hannah prayed. She prayed. I mean, she used to go to church and pray. She used to go to the temple and pray until her pastor thought she was drunk. I mean, I could see her, you know, in the spirit. I can just see her in the spirit, rather, praying, and she's moving, you know, side to side. You know, she's walking like a drunkard. She's, I mean, she's haphazard in her movement, and she was praying passionately. And the Bible says only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. And therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. Look at what Eli said to her. Eli, Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink. Ask your neighbor for me, neighbor. Are you still drinking? 
What did they say? If your neighbor didn't answer, they are a suspect. So turn to them again and say, neighbor, neighbor, neighbor. I am warning you for the last time. Stop drinking. She said, I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. You can see how passionate she was in prayer. You can see how intense she was in prayer because she wanted God to open her womb. She was crying out to God. She was praying like a drunkard in the presence of God until Eli thought that she was drunk. She was praying with every fiber of her being, crying out to God, tears rolling down her cheeks, crying, praying, asking God to come through for her. Look, when you're frustrated, the best place to go to is in church. The best place to go to is a place of prayer. To go and pray, not to gossip, not to complain, not to give up, not to compromise, but to pray. She prayed with all her heart. And then Eli said in verse 17, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. After praying, God spoke through Eli, and Eli told her, look, go in peace, and the God of Israel, I love that, grant your petition which you have asked of him. He prayed that God may answer her prayer. You know, as a pastor, sometimes I can look at somebody and see how they are praying, and I whisper in my heart, I say, oh God, may you answer his prayer. Oh God, may you answer her prayer. Because a lot of people don't pray like Hannah. Ask your neighbor for me, have you ever prayed like Hannah? I wish you can see how people pray. Like even when I was telling people to pray in this service, some people were not praying. They were just looking at me and they were wondering, why did they have changed the service today? He should have warned us. He should have prepared us. This is not how we always do. After, after the tea news, we always go to giving. Then after giving, that's when he goes and he preaches. What is going on? When the spirit of God is moving like how? And, and people are praying. And I'm telling people, pray. But they're having all these conversations in their heads. That is how you lose your miracle. That's how you lose your blessing. Because you're not in the groove at the moment when you're supposed to be in the groove. You see, we were, we were praying. So everybody was supposed to pray. And you can see that Hannah was serious about prayer in the temple. I don't know how many people were there in that temple. But the Bible is focusing on this woman. Remember even Elkanah was in the temple. Yeah, the husband was in the temple. And I believe several other people were in the temple. But I don't think they were praying like Hannah. Even Penina was in the temple. And because she had a breakthrough, she didn't feel she really need God. But look at Hannah. Hey, I love this woman. She's teaching us something about prayer. That sometimes you need to get to a place where you don't even care what people say. You don't even care how you look in the place of prayer. You don't even care how you're behaving in the place of prayer. All you need is God to move in your life. 
Because some of you, let me tell you, you're trying to be like somebody else who is not praying, who is looking cool, calm and collected, and you don't know that them, they already have a breakthrough that you're trying to get. Hmm. Penina has children. That's why she's not desperate at the place of prayer. Huh? So some of you, you come, you see, oh, your neighbor is not praying, you also take it easy. Your neighbor is not passionately praying, you also take it easy. Look, it is everyone for himself. Me, I came because I have my own issues. You, if you don't want to pray, I don't know. Maybe the breakthrough I'm praying for, you already have it. You, maybe you are thanking God, Kimoyo Moyo. But me, I'm serious about God. I need a breakthrough from God. I need favor from God. I need increase from God. And so I will not care what you will say about my posture of prayer. Look at your neighbor and tell them, don't judge me. Because I'm going to be crazy at the place of prayer. She prayed intensely. Intensely. She prayed with all her heart. And we need to come to a place where we don't care what people say. When it's time to pray, we pray. When it's time to call on God, we call on God. When it's time to weep in his presence, we weep in his presence. Because God is waiting on us to come to him, to pray and to seek him. And he's going to move in our lives. Can I hear an amen? amen? So tell your neighbor, neighbor, I've discovered you've been lying to me. In fact, I have discovered, tell your neighbor, I've discovered... You have been derailing me from my breakthrough. After this sermon, I will pray like Hannah. How many need a breakthrough today? I prophesy as you pray, may God grant your petition in the name of Jesus. And what does the Bible say? Look at 1 Samuel. Or rather verse 20. So it came to pass in the process of time. In the process of time that Hannah conceived. Isn't that powerful? In the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because, look at her. Yeah, she did not say I conceived because I had fellowship with Elkanah. She said, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Just because you have fellowship with your husband guarantees conception. God has to be involved. Do you understand what I'm saying? God has be, to be involved in it. If he's not involved, you can have fellowship in the morning. You can have fellowship at 10 a.m. You can have fellowship at 1 a.m. You can have fellowship at 2 a.m. You can have fellowship at 2.30, 2.31, 2.32, 2.34, 2.35, 2.36. But nothing will happen. God has to be involved. One time I was talking to another guy and he was telling me when it comes to conception is so mysterious that even gynecologists don't understand how it happens. It is very mysterious that the man can be okay, the woman can be okay and still nothing happens. Very mysterious. Hannah discovered that this thing, this, this, this conception, this is the doing of the Lord. If you're here, you don't have babies. I pray that may God come through. In the name of Jesus. I, prophet, I prophesy babies in this congregation. Father, in this weather, this time next year, may we dedicate more babies in this church. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. May you be involved. My goodness. St. Benedict, please say amen. May God be involved in every marriage in this house that desires children in the name of Jesus. Mm, I feel it. I'm still going somewhere. And then chapter 2. Let's see something here. Chapter 2 verse 36. And the Bible says, after Samuel was conceived and he was bathed, something happened, verse 36. And it, sh and it, uh, and it shall come to pass, First Samuel chapter 2. Is it 36 or 32? Where it talks about, and the child grew. Is it 32? I think 32. Give me 32. Eh? DJ. Huh? Where is it? It has disappeared. Where the Bible says, is it 26? 26. 26. And the child, yes. Uh -huh. And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor, both with the Lord and with men. He grew because he came from a place of prayer. He, he, he grew in stature. That means he was growing, the hands were growing, the legs were growing. But something else was also happening. He was growing in favor because he was born. From a place of prayer. Ask your neighbor, neighbor. Were your children born out of prayer? Can, can, can I go deeper? <laughs> It's like you don't want me to go deeper this morning. Can I, huh? can I go deeper? Some of us have given birth to children and brought them, him, them here on earth. Let me tell you. And brought them without the touch of favor. And from the word of God, from the word go, rather. I mean, it's like they have been set on a path to struggle. From the because because even even you, you didn't want them you didn't want them true or false and some some of you removed them you didn't even give them a chance to live there are people who got children, but they don't like the children. And I'm not just talking about ladies, I'm talking even about gentlemen. Yeah. You refused to own up. You say, it's not mine. And it wasn't me. 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 Me, I know myself. I can never make a woman pregnant. I know myself. And you rejected that baby. And that baby from day one has to struggle. Because there is no touch of favor over their lives. 
He will struggle first to discover who he is. He will struggle to know his father. That's why some babies grow up. And one of the things that stress them, they are looking for their fathers. When they should be trying to actually <laughs> discover their potential, their purpose, they are looking for their father. And their father is here. <laughs> Listening to my preaching. <laughs> and he's still saying in his heart, see me, me. That's why if you are here, I want to tell you, I want to challenge you. If you are here and you have a child anywhere in this world, go and talk to that child. Lay your hands on that child and tell that child, I release the favor of God, the goodness of God, the mercies of God. May you make it. May you do well. Because he's your child. Man, are you here? Go look for your seed. Go look for that child. And tell that child, first, first, first of all, please forgive me. There are things I didn't know. But my bishop preached and I was convicted. I want to become part of your life. Then you tell that child, I'm laying my hands on you. you know? I pray for you. I pray for favor upon your life. That your life may change. And you may become a blessed person. Because look, if you don't do some of these things I'm sharing with you, there are certain cycles in your lineage that will never be broken. You, you struggled, your children will struggle as well. Then your grandchildren will struggle as well. It should not happen like that in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? It's very quiet in here. Am I talking to somebody in this house? Samuel was born from a place of prayer. The mother really wanted him. Did you really want the children you have? Mm. The yes is scattered here and there. Did you really want the children that you want? Or you went like, oops. My bad. You got an SMS and you are in a service like this. <laughs> I have missed. And you said, no weapon formed against me shall ever prosper in the name of Jesus. And every tongue that rises against me, I condemn it in the name of Jesus. Hannah prayed, and Samuel was born from a place of prayer. She really wanted him. I want to challenge every parent. Desire your children. Love your children. Let, let them know that you really want them. You really love them. And speak favor over their lives. Pray for favor over their lives. Can I hear an amen in this house? Even if you don't have children, you will need this message. One day, you will need it. Pray over those children. Speak favor over their lives. Because the Bible says, and Samuel grew in stature, but also in, he grew in favor. Hallelujah. I'm always speaking favor over my children. I'm always declaring that God may favor them. 
I'm always speaking that wherever they go, they will just be favored. If they go to the university, they will be favored. If they go, wherever they go, they will be favored. If they go to look for a job, they will be favored. At school, they will be favored. My children have been leaders in school. And I didn't campaign for them. Just chosen. Say, you come, you will be the leader today. You will be the leader today. I was looking at Asaf's. Asaf has finished. You know, he's, is it O level, A level? I don't know which one comes first. O, A. A, O. How do you know? <laughs> and I was looking at his, I think, living certificate, and I was surprised at the things they were saying about him. Amazing things. I was shocked. Favor. Somebody say favor. favor. As my children, I speak favor. Amen. I pray for favor over your life, Amen. over your home, over your, over your family over your business. May this favor be with you. May this favor open doors for you. May this favor terminate any struggle, frustration, pain, and suffering in your life in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout aloud, amen. Please be seated. Psalm 67. It is a prayer that David made. Psalm Chapter 67. This is powerful. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to do what? To shine upon us. Now, I remember I told you that favor has to do with God's countenance being lifted over your life. Do you remember? When the favor of God you know, takes place in your life, it simply means that God has lifted up his countenance over you. And so David is saying, God, be merciful to us and bless us and then cause your face to shine upon us. Another translation says, cause your favor to be upon us. So we can pray for favor. We can ask God's favor to rest upon us. We can pray for God's favor to surround us and we can pray passionately because we know that the favor of God can do wonders in our lives. So the first thing that is important for us to do is to pray. Hallelujah. I pray that you will even take prayer meetings seriously. I pray that you will take the prayer service very, very seriously because it's an opportunity for you to actually activate favor in your life. Amen? In fact, someone say in fact. This Tuesday, we are going to pray for favor. Yeah. We're going to have a special edition to pray for favor. That God may be merciful to us and his face may shine over us. I love NLT. It says, may God be merciful and bless us. May his face smile with favor on us. Hey, may God smile with favor upon you in the name of Jesus. Number two. Another very important catalyst of favor is integrity. Somebody say integrity. Now, integrity is so wide because it touches on our values. It touches on honesty, finances, transparency, relationships, marriages. I mean, in so many areas of our lives. You see, what has kept many countries or companies from doing very well, you know, is not the availability of resources, but is the wastage of the resources that are already there. 
Many African countries are lagging behind simply because of corruption. Yet and Africa is blessed, endowed with so many natural you know, resources. There is gold in Africa. There is diamond in Africa. There are so many, many natural resources in Africa. Do you know there is gold in, there is uh, oil in Turkana? Isn't it? Yes, there is oil in Turkana. Oil. Real oil. It was discovered in Turkana. So there are so many, you know, minerals that have been discovered in Africa. But we see that Africa is still behind in so many things. I mean, we are still talking about roads. You go to some countries, I mean, they don't talk about roads. There's a country whose name begins with, uh, yes. When you go to that country, they don't talk about roads. They talk about other things. But as we are still talking about roads, they are building, in that country, they are building roads every day. I mean, it's not, it's, it's like, it's like what, what do we do here every day? It's like eating. Huh? We eat politics every day. The way we eat politics every day is the way they are building roads in some countries. You wake up in the morning, there's a road here. You wake up in the morning, there's a bridge here. You wake up in the morning, something has happened in this place. And so we are seeing that corruption is what is keeping us, you know, from really, really progressing forward. Now, integrity is very, very important. And I pray that even as we go into these elections, that God will give us men of integrity. God will give us people who can push this country forward. Can I hear, can I hear an amen in this house? In fact, some of you should vie for some of these seats. So that if you change, I call you to my office and say, you, what, what are you doing? Or you can't run. Look at your neighbor. Are they electable? <laughs> or when they stand, all the votes go to their opponent. So integrity is very important, not just in a country or in a company, but also in our lives as well. If you're going to attract the favor of God, you must be a man of integrity. Amen. You see, when you look at Joseph, a man who really, really, you know, worked in the favor of God, he was favored by God because of his integrity. And I want you to understand something here, that his integrity did not start when he met Potiphar's wife. No. It was there way before that incident. Because many of us, when we refer to Joseph's you know, integrity, we remember Potiphar's wife. But Joseph was a man of integrity even before he had an encounter with Mrs. Potiphar. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 37, when he was about 17 years old, and he was feeding the flock with his brothers. Uh, the Bible says that the Bible says that he could, you know, go back home and give his father a report of how his brothers were behaving badly. He was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. He didn't condone their behavior. He didn't like what they were doing. He didn't like what they were saying. He didn't like the activities that they were engaged in. And he used to report them to his father. So you can see that at the age of 17, the man had started inculcating in his disposition 
this very important ingredient called integrity. So he didn't just behave well in the presence of his father. He also behaved well in the absence of his father. So by the time he got to Potiphar's house, he had already established this quality in him. So he didn't say no to Potiphar's wife because it was a fluke. He said no because this is something that he had developed in his life over years. He didn't say no to Potiphar's wife because she was ugly. <laughs> he said no because of the quality of integrity. Some of you say no because the person who is tempting you is ugly. <laughs> Talk to me, somebody. But if you get somebody who is beautiful tempting you, somebody say, Lord, have mercy. I don't think you will say no. You will say no, yes. <laughs> so there was this quality inside of you. You see, when you have this quality inside of you, it doesn't matter how appealing the temptation is. It doesn't matter how attractive the temptation is. The quality inside of you will make you say no to every temptation that comes your way. Can I hear an amen? amen. You know, there are people here who cannot sin because some of the sins they want to commit are very expensive. And because they are broke, they cannot sin. But if they have money, because, you know, Mrs. Potiphar, Pastor Zev, he was offering Joseph free sex in the palace, perfumed bed, surrounded with petals. And music in the background. And chocolates. And juice. And everything that he needed. It was there. But still Joseph said no. I'm telling you. He said no. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That's what I'm telling you. Some of you, I mean, is, is, is only because you don't have money. But if you had money, I'm telling you. To fly to Mombasa and come back. To tell your spouse that you're working late. And fly to Eldoret and come back. You can be very crazy. And that's why maybe God has kept you at that level for a while. <laughs> Talk to me, somebody. Because God has looked at your heart and he has seen this one. If I increase the salary, he's gone. He said, you're very quiet. Are you the ones I'm talking about? She was ready. He told Joseph, lie with me. And Joseph had to say no. Because of what? Integrity. Hallelujah. If you are in Joseph's shoes, you are a slave. And this is an opportunity for promotion. Yes, it was an opportunity for promotion. Because I'm sure if, she, if he did what, you know, Mrs. Potiphar wanted, Mrs. Potiphar could have started, you know, making things happen for him, you know, telling, you know, the husband, you should be traveling more because this guy, you know, um, the way he handles affairs in the house is so fantastic. I love his excellence. I love his availability. I love the way he does his job. 
So you don't worry about me. I am well taken. I'm telling you. It was a very quick way. The shortest route for him to be promoted. But he still said no. No wonder God favored him. You can see that some of you, because of the things you have done and the things you are doing and you have refused to stop, you have blocked favor from flowing into your life. Oh, yes. And I should preach this. Even if you're quiet, I should say it. Because you're making pastors sweat, pray for you, lay hands on you, sit on you, throw towels, remove jackets, do all sorts of things, but you're sleeping around. You're having a lot of sex at the office. I'm talking to you, man. You're sleeping with people that you're not in covenant relationship of marriage with and you expect the favor of God to come upon your life and now you want pastors to be performing miracles of favor over your life but when God looks at your life he doesn't see anything that attracts favor tell your neighbor it cannot work tell them again it, it cannot work I'm telling you, let me tell you something. Can I tell you something? If there are people I know who have a lot of sex, more than even people who are not born again are Christians. There is a lot of sex. There's a program which was called Sex in the City. But me, I also say there is sex in the church. Hey. It's quiet. Hey. Very quiet, I'm telling you. There's a movie I watched, the title of the movie. Can I tell you the title of the movie? This was a very scary movie. The title of the movie was that I know what you did last summer. So tell your neighbor, neighbor. I know. Finish. <laughs> No wonder favor is not flowing. Favor is not flowing. The world has infiltrated the church so much that having sex has been cheapened. You can have sex with anyone and wake up, wipe your mouth, and live as if nothing happened. And look, even if you didn't get pregnant, it was still sex. Even if you used a condom, it was still sex. Oh, today, I'm on a mission. Because I want favor to come over your life. Even if you did not go all the way. Because there are people say, we didn't go all the way. We reached a point. I withdrew. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, neighbor, there is nothing like withdrawing. 
You did it. <laughs> no wonder favor is not flowing. You understand what I'm saying? Do you know there's somebody who said this? He said, if men were pregnant or had the ability of getting pregnant, they will have pregnancy all over their bodies. On the head, on the neck, on the chest, on the stomach, everywhere. And, and we have to teach these things. I told you as your pastor, I will never shy away of saying some things. Because in church we behave as if we don't want to hear those things. But those are the things that are bombarding us every day. And unless we draw a line and say that I will not do this, let me tell you, you will never see the favor of God flowing in your life. Joseph was a man of integrity. No wonder God's favor operated in his life. Hallelujah. Even if you are planning to get married, you are not yet married. You wait. Don't say, ah, see, we have paid the dowry. See, the elders have blessed us. See, your mother is aware. And your father is aware. What stops us? Give me my things. You should stand and say, the things are not yet yours. You have to wait until we go to the altar. Oh, I'm preaching better than your responses. We have to go to church, go to the altar, and be blessed. After we are blessed, the things are yours. All things are yours now. But before then, they are not yours. We want when you wear a that white dress, you are pure. When the gentleman is coming looking like a car from a showroom, he's also pure. Zero mileage. some walk, but they have done 25 kilometers, 30 kilometers, 100 kilometers. The engine has been serviced. Luke chapter 1. I love my preaching. Verse 26. The Bible says, there's another woman here. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Verse 27. To? Talk to me. To? Ask your neighbor. Neighbor. Are you a virgin? Some of you are not even asking the question. Is it that bad where you are? Mercy, Lord. <laughs> Somebody even asked his wife, are you a virgin? <laughs> I 
<laughs> and the wife answered, Thou knowest well. <laughs> anyway, can we finish the scripture to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph? They were dating, but she was still a virgin. Yeah. They were dating, but there was still zero mileage. You understand what I'm saying? And because she was a virgin, because she had kept herself pure, look at what happened next. Then the angel said, um, whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. Then verse, 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 verse 20, and having come in, verse 28, and having come in, the angel said to her, to who? To Mary. Who was? Who had kept herself pure? Do you understand what I'm talking about? And say, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among many women. She received favor because she kept herself pure. She accessed a higher dimension of favor because she kept herself pure. I need to talk to people here to understand integrity will attract favor in your life. If you, if, if, if you are a man of integrity, if you are a woman of integrity, it will attract favor in your life. And we are not just talking about sexual purity. We are talking about integrity in so many aspects of our lives. If you, if you demonstrate integrity financially, you will attract the favor of God in your life. If, if, if you demonstrate integrity in your relationships, you experience the favor of God in your life. The reason why Joseph and Mary enjoyed favor is because they walked in integrity. I challenge you today. Let's walk in integrity. Hallelujah. Have, have you realized that the generation is trying even to water down the importance of virginity? That when you say you don't have a man, they laugh at you? You meet ladies, they are discussing their experiences over the weekend. You meet men, they are discussing their experiences over the weekend. And they mock this person who looks green. And they laugh at you. Because they say you need to test, you know, Test and see if you can handle a Toyota, a Vit, a trailer. <laughs> you know, I, I was in a marriage seminar one time, and they asked me a question about intimacy, sex, and whatever. And the person who was asking the question is saying, if, if you marry somebody who is green, do you think that you'll have so many problems in your relationship? And then I decided to throw the question back to the people. And I asked, how many people here, when they got married, they were green? No hand went up. <laughs> so I said, I'm not answering the question. Because <laughs> this is not the right audience. There's nothing like being green. When you unleash a dog from the leash, <laughs> when you step on the gas and engage the gear, you'll be so surprised. The car will move. Tell your neighbor, I can really move. 
I, you are not talking to your neighbor. What's going on? The church is disobedient to the pastor this morning. Everybody turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, I can really move. Oh, yeah. So there's nothing like being green. You wait until your time. Hallelujah. You wait until your time. Because when God sees integrity, God will release Hallelujah. I say when God sees integrity, God will release favor. Number three. You don't like my message now. Number three is marriage. Marriage is another catalyst of favor. And marriage is not between a man and a man. Marriage is not between a woman and a woman. Marriage is between a man and a woman. You see, we are living in a generation where they are trying to normalize same-sex marriages. Because that thing was at the periphery. Now it has come to the center of our society. That's why you see it in the movies. They pay a lot of monies to try and make sure that that agenda is in all the movies. I mean, you find a very nice movie, you're watching the movie, you're watching, I mean, it's building up, it's exciting, oh, it's going, it's going, and you're excited, and you're saying, wow, this is awesome, awesome, and then they spring up a scene there. By the time you're looking for the remote. <laughs> it's in the movies. Now they're even paying those guys to come out and say, they're looking for influential people to come out and say that I am this, I am this, to try and normalize it. Even in the movies, they bring, they, they get some these, some nice, handsome guys, you know, who are like superhumans, who are saving humanity, saving the day, fighting the enemy, you know, and then when the guy goes home, His wife, who is a man, meets him at the door. I show this beautiful lady, you know, she's so nice. She has a very nice, comely, you know, uh, disposition and whatever. And, you know, and, and you know sometimes when, they, when you're watching movies, you kind of like the characters. Isn't it? You know, how many love Professor? You know Professor? Money heist. You love professor. You love professor. You didn't want professor to be arrested, isn't it? You, want them to, you wanted them to steal the money, isn't it? And to escape, isn't it? Ask your neighbor, are you a Christian to think like that? Because <laughs> they make the person look so nice. So nice. And then they spring this sin on you to make you believe that same-sex marriage is okay. But it's not okay. It is not of God. It is wicked. And it is an abomination before God. God did not create Adam and Steve. He created Adam and Eve. <laughs> he created a man and a woman. And that is how it's supposed to be. We cannot redefine marriage. We cannot change it. 
When you try to change it, it becomes an abomination before God. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. You see, a man has a very, or a human being, let me use the word human being. A human being has a very wide range of expression. You know, you know, animals are limited in the way, in a way. When you see a lion with another lion, they are fighting. A male gazelle, another male gazelle, they are fighting. And when you look at why they are fighting, they are fighting for females. Not for food, females. They want to have bragging rights. And sometimes I look at these animals. I mean, you see, like, these males are fighting, almost killing each other. And the females are so many, like a hundred. And the females are watching. <laughs> the one who wins is the one that they will accept, you know, to make them pregnant. Even nature is teaching us that a man and a man can never have a romantic relationship. A woman and a woman cannot have a romantic relationship. I'm preaching these things because these things are not just in the movies. They are in the church today. I counseled somebody who was a member of this church who had that problem and he refused to get out of it. And if you are here and you're struggling with that thing, you need help. You can't be a man, you see another man and you are aroused. You can't be a woman, you see another woman and you are aroused. It's disgusting. It doesn't make sense. And you see, if you don't talk about these things, they will even muzzle pastors. They will say, don't speak about it because if you're speaking about, oh, you are judging people. Oh, I'm not judging people. I'm saying the truth. I'm saying the truth. And the truth has to be said from the pulpit. If you are here and you struggle with that thing, or you are watching and you're struggling with those things, you need help. Because that is not how God created us. Created a man and a woman. Adam and Eve. Even the animals that were going to the ark, they were two by two. Male and female. Male and female. A male gazelle, female gazelle. A male tortoise, female tortoise. A male mosquito, female mosquito. A male lizard, female lizard. I mean two. Yes, because God wanted when they get there, they multiply. A male and male cannot multiply. They can only adopt, but they cannot multiply. The commission was be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That was the commission. And so these abominations that we see are also blocking favor from coming into our lives. You understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. There are churches in other countries where they are forced to marry same-sex couples. How do I join you with another man? How do I join you with another woman? What will I say? Who is the husband here? And who is the wife here? What will I say? How do you, how do you, how do you take them through the vows? And these things are with us. I'm preaching very strongly this morning because these are the things that are blocking favor from flowing in our lives. We are struggling to have favor in our lives because some of these things are within us. And we are practicing them. Hiding, but practicing them. 
Because marriage will not sort it out. The people who get married, they get children, but they have secret lovers. A man has a man who is a side chick. A wife married, but she has another woman who is a side chick. Please ask your neighbor for me, are you straight? Huh? Pastor Ken has stood and says he's straight. It is not your physical posture. It is deeper than that. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to finish, but I want to tell you something. You have to really fight some things. Yes, it's, it's war. Tell your neighbor, it's war. It's war. You have to fight them. It doesn't matter what people say. You have to fight them because it is not the plan of God for your life. Marriage is between a man and a woman. And when God sees a man and a woman coming together in marriage, he releases favor. Oh, talk to me, somebody. Yes. Proverbs 18, verse 22. My last scripture. I'll continue next Sunday. Proverbs chapter 18. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from who? Yes, if you find a wife, you obtain favor. Pastor Zef, there is a dimension of favor you have not tapped into because of being single. But when you enter into the institution of marriage, favor comes upon your life. Hallelujah. If you are here, you're not married, I pray for you. That may God give you a wonderful partner. So that this favor can be activated in your life. You see, when God looked at Adam as a single guy, he was single, lonely, shivering. The Garden of Eden. The way singles are shivering in this weather. It's very cold. Shivering. Imagine I'm married and I'm still feeling the cold. Sembuse singles. Is sembuse an English word? Huh? But when you get married, favor comes upon you. Hallelujah. Do you know when you get married, even people trust you? Yes, they trust you. Yes. A married pastor is more trusted than a single one. A single pastor, people look at you and say, eh. Oh, okay. Ah, oh, 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 all right. Oh, okay, we are watching. <laughs> we are watching, we are watching. But the one who is married is more trusted because there's a sense of stability. That's what the Bible says. If you can't take care of your house, you can't take care of God's house. There's something that happens when you bring a woman or a man in your life and you live well with that woman. It shows that you have administrative skills. It shows that you are emotionally balanced. It shows that you are a very excellent leader. It shows so many things about you. That's why you see people who can't keep a marriage. There's a problem somewhere. There's a serious problem. If you're here, you're getting married, please make sure you keep your marriage. Because when you lose your marriage, it dents your image. Hey, it's quiet. Very quiet. I can hear a pin drop. 
Keep your marriage. Communicate so many things about you as a person. If you keep on jumping from one marriage to another, it communicates so many things about you. You don't stay in one thing. So I'm also thinking as an employer, if I employ you, you will not stay. Marriage gives you favor. I say marriage gives you favor. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Hallelujah. Every time God looks at you, he says, my children, look at what they are doing. He's happy. And he releases favor. Why? Because you're operating within the perimeters that he has set of marriage. Hallelujah. If you're not married, I pray for you. May you get married in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give God a hand of praise? I'm done. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazu Techero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.